you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Matthew 28, Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 18 here shortly. Um, oh, wow, 15 years, 15 years to think. I've had the privilege and honor of being here for um, eight of those years and to get to see God do some pretty cool things in this place um, has truly been an honor and a blessing. Um, and so I've had the privilege to serve as your pastor for four years. Um, and man, it's not uh, something that I take lightly. Uh, it's not uh, uh, something that I overlook or that I just, um, man, I just, I'm just, I'm honored. And to think that God has allowed me to be a part of this and to do this just blows my mind. Um, and so I'm, again, excited to see what he's got for us in the coming years. And uh, really over the last few weeks has kind of been the whole heart behind um, coming out of a sabbatical and just letting God kind of work me over and do some stuff in my heart and my life um, to really just kind of help set us on a course all the more to kind of clarify some things and to, to look at some stuff for us as a church and uh, what he has for us and uh, just throughout that uh, that the scriptures and just being obedient, being obedient to, um, to who he has called us to be. And so again, uh, for me, it was one of those things on that sabbatical uh, was uh, the question I felt like was asked to me is, Scott, do you trust me? I mean, do you really trust me to work and to do one in you and two in my church? And so today we're going to finish up this little, uh, was, was a little series at one point, it's kind of expanded into something more, but we're going to finish up this series of messages uh, that just rallies around that question uh, of, of trust and God pressing in on us uh, and, and causing us to look at fervently what he's asked us to be as a church. And so uh, two weeks ago, as well as this week, I mean, I just believe we uh, really are going to be aligned all the more about what we believe God has called us to be. What he's called us to do, one, as the men and women of God, and two, as his church. Um, and so the question of trust that he asked me, I believe, is one he's going to press on us, one that he's been pressing on us, uh, that he's going to uh, help us flesh out all the more today. And the question is this, are you willing to step out and do what he's asked you and called you to do? Will you be willing to rise to the occasion and say yes? Say, say yes, God, I, I will do and I will be what it is you've asked me to do and be. That, that I will follow you, that I will trust you, and that I will go after. And so for us, everything hinges on this word disciple. Everything. We just had a covenant class and we talked about it again. And what's important about that is how we define it. I know that there's a lot of right and good uh, definitions for the word disciple. But for us here at New Life, it's just taken from Matthew 4.19 where Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then the first component of disciple is someone who is following Jesus, who is born again, who is saved, who has come to faith in Christ, who has seen their sin for what it is uh, and their wickedness for what it, what it is. I just saw somebody back there. Hey, sorry, I medicated. I apologize. Um, uh, so, um, good gosh. So, so, back to disciples. I'm sorry, I got excited for a moment. Well, anyways. Um, so, Defining a disciple, a disciple is one who is born again, who's come to faith in Christ, who has seen their sin for what it is and come alive in the reality of who Christ is and what he's accomplished on the cross. That's the first component. The second component is this, is that they allow God to make them. That's where he says here, Jesus, I will make you. So it's being changed. A disciple is one who is saved, a part of the team, in, and then they're being changed, they're being shaped, they're being formed, they're being molded into who Christ is, whereby we act like Christ, we look like Christ, we respond like Christ, and less like us. And then the third component for disciples, they're a fisher of men. They're on mission with Jesus. They are on mission with Christ. It's, it's 
where are you going? Are you talking like, are you looking through that lens of, of, of I want to be on mission. I want to do what Jesus has called me to be and do. And so for us, last week, what we, or two weeks ago, what we talked about is our vision is, is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. To reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. It's where we're going. This is where we're headed. And so we do this through sharing the gospel, through evangelism. And so one of the things that's been uh, on our heart here as a leadership is to, to figure out a way to, to uh, equip our, our people, to train our people to do this. So one of the things that we're going to start doing uh, every so often is something called the core. And the core is just going to be a gathering where we come and uh, we look at certain topics and certain issues and and try to walk through, walk those out, look at the scriptures, dive into that, uh, uh, do the difficult work of seeing what God wants us to do and what what he wants to accomplish in us. And so for us, October 6, 13, and 20 is going to be our first core gathering here on a Wednesday night where we gather. I know it's in your bulletin and there'll be uh, more info to come soon, but we're going to gather here. We're going to have food. We're going to have child care. We're going to do all of those type of things and then we're going to break out and we're going to look hardcore uh, at what it means to be a person who shares their faith. And so we'll spend three weeks walking through that on, on the first three Wednesday nights in October. And so the question is, why evangelism? Why is that the first topic? And it's just a statistic that has shook me for years that 90% of believers will die without ever sharing their faith. 90%. In a church this size, what that means is there's about five, five to seven of us who will tell somebody about Jesus for the purpose of God saving and rescuing and redeeming them. I mean, that blows my mind. And and I would venture to say that we would gather here in this place this morning and say that he's our greatest love, he's the most important thing in our life, that he is is our everything. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm one of his, but we never tell somebody about him. And I I think on a daily basis of all the ridiculous things that I tell people about, of all the conversations that have no eternal significance and weight, And to think that we have in us the hope of the world. And 90% will die without ever sharing that. Without ever having that conversation. And so I want to be able to help us navigate through that. Help us be able to engage this lost world. To see conversations had that center around the gospel. And so that's the vision and heart there is to help equip us all uh, the more. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at the how for us, the, 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 the mission, how we accomplish our vision is through our mission. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray and then we'll jump in here in a moment. Father, uh, we love you. We need you, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. God, just help calm me, help reel me back in. God, help me focus on uh, what you want to say this morning. God, I just pray that you move in a mighty way in this place. Do a work here. God, I pray. God, I just ask that you um, make your presence known. God, that you would speak to hearts. And if there be one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, that you would rescue and redeem. And Father, if there's one here that's struggling, God, that you would just draw back to you. God, remind them of your loving kindness, your grace, your mercy. Father, you'd encourage the heart that needs it. And Father, I, I want to pray for a moment just for us in this room, God, and for those that are watching online, Lord, that as your word is proclaimed, God, that, that there would be conviction. God, there would be a seriousness around your proclaimed word and what you've told us to do. And God, that we would feel that this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would press us this morning in some areas that would cause us to have to step out all the more and follow even harder, even closer. So God, I pray and ask you, accomplish in this place what you need to. Do as you see fit. It's for your glory, for your honor. And then we pray, amen. 
So our mission is this. This is what we believe our mission is, is that we will make disciples through relationships. We're going to make disciples through relationships. Matthew 28, that's where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 28, 18, it says this. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them. So Jesus was crucified, but he's been resurrected. So he's, he's, he's alive. He is back. He is before his disciples. This is before he goes back to, uh, to heaven. And this is, this is what he says. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And when Jesus says authority here, what he means is this, is that he has the freedom and he has the right to speak and act as he pleases. What he says goes. He is the one directing and he is the one leading and he is the one with all authority. I mean, think about that for a moment. All of every ounce of authority Jesus possesses, it's been handed to him, it's been given to him. And I don't know about you, but I believe this is something that we struggle with in our world is the thought of authority. Having somebody over me, having somebody tell me something. I mean, it's just something that we struggle. We all have authority issues, don't we? We, we struggle with that. Can no one tell me nothing. I mean, I've worked hard, I've done, I've experienced, I've, I mean, I'm, I've got the internet now, I can Google stuff. I mean, I don't need, I don't need authority over me. And, and that is a horrible, horrible view because the reality is this authority is something that we'll be under till the day we die. And especially for those of us in this place that belong to Jesus, the authority is him. He is the one who has the final say. He is the one who sets the tone. He is the one that gives us direction. It's what he says goes. He's the boss. And so he has just defeated death. I mean, think about that for a moment. If, if you've defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave, and you're back, you better believe you've got all authority. Every ounce of authority is his. And, and so the one who has this authority is about to speak and about to tell us by his authority uh, uh, some direction and some uh, things that, that, that his disciples then and I believe even now need to be about. He tells his disciples uh, what they need to be doing, what we as the church need to be doing. And the first thing that he says by his authority is a command and he says go. He's given them a command to go. And the literal translation of this would be as you are going. So Jesus in his authority tells them to go. And church, I believe he's told us the same thing. As we are going, there's a continual, there's never a moment when we as believers aren't going and doing for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus. So where you work, you are going as a representation of him, uh, as an ambassador of him. Uh, uh, wherever you shop, wherever you uh, uh, go to school, whatever relationship, wherever you're a family, how you parent, all of that is run through this filter of us going as disciples, going as his people. So we look at who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he asks us to do. The reality of the cross dictates every facet of my life, every facet. As I go, as I'm going, I run it through that. And the thing I love about this, that little word go, it's a call to action, is it not? For us as the church, for us as the people of God, it's a call to action. It's a call for us to be about something, to be doing something. To engage, it's a command. And so Jesus commands his followers to do something. I, th I think one of the issues in the church today is that we have grown bored. Is that, is that we've gotten complacent and that we have grown bored. And I just something I can't get my mind around because what Jesus says is this. And, and if you think church is boring, it's because you're not doing it right. I'm just saying. Uh, because what we've got to realize is that this, this just isn't church. 
from the 10 to 11, 15-ish hour, and I use ish slightly there, lightly. I mean, there's so much more than just gathering like this for an hour and hearing and walking out and doing nothing with. I think that's why we've gotten bored because we look at church as a spectator sport. No, it's something that we engage in. It's something that we live out. I mean, if you're bored, it's because we're not following Christ right. We're not following like he's called us to follow him. We're not engaging this world like he's called us to engage him. He tells his disciples to say to go. And he's going to give them commands of what to go and be doing, but we're to continually be going. And we're always going somewhere, are we not? I mean, we are the most busiest people on planet Earth. We're living in the most busiest times. And I'm guilty of saying it all the time. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm just busy. I'm strapped. Gosh, there's so much going on. And we kind of wear it like a badge. Like busyness is not necessarily next to godliness. Busyness with the purpose of what God's called us to be about and do is a good thing. But when busy just to be busy so we can feel fulfilled or feel like we have something or feel important or feel value. No, no, no. That, that's, that's wrong. And so for us as a church today, we've got to engage. It's a call to go. It's a call to action. And see, I, th- I think one of the reasons why we're in the predicament that we're in in our world is because for too long we as a church haven't gone. We as a church have set back. We as a church have spectated for far too long. And we've done nothing. See, this is an invitation to be a part of something bigger than us. This is an invitation to participate in the very move of God. He invites these disciples in. Meant to do a work unimaginable. And the beautiful thing about it is today in 2021, it's the same invitation for his church to be a part of and to engage in something that is beyond any one person in this room. Power, effort, energy, finances, abilities. To be a part of that, and it's only by the work of God. It's a call to action. And I just believe that's the reason why the world is like it is, is because for too long we have punted on our responsibility to be a part of, the, a part of something, to be engaged, to be doing something. And so if you want to change the world, then you need to get going. If, if you want to change where you live, then you need to go. If you want to change at your work, you need to go. If you want to change your campus, you need to go. If you want to see change in your kids, then you need to go. If you want change in your home, you need to go. Jesus commands us to make. And so I just, just want to just park here for a second because I've got two quick thoughts on this whole thought of making. If, if he tells us to do something and we don't do something he tells us, what is that? Disobedience and disobedience is what? Sin, yeah, yeah, but we, we in church, we can talk a little bit. Let's get interactive. For, it's 15 years, people. Let's do this thing. So if he calls us to action and calls us and commands us, and that's a command, right? If I say, hey, you go, go do that. That's a command. I tell my kids all the time, and obedience is a struggle sometimes, but um, we're not much different, are we? Anyways, Jesus commands to do something, and we don't do the something that he commands, and that's sin, right? What do we do with Sin. We repent, absolutely. We allow the Holy Spirit to bring about conviction and to draw us all the more to Christ and to reveal our sin in us and then we repent and we run headlong into what Christ has called us to do. 
And, and so I believe for too long it's been a sin issue in the church. This is one of those things here, one of those sin issues. He's called us to go. He's commanded us to go, and, and we've set back. I mean, you see it in the book of Acts, same thing. He just told them this, and then early on in the book of Acts, what are they doing? They're just kind of gazing up, watching Jesus go back, thinking, wow. And what do they do? They still stay. They still stay. And so what does Jesus lovingly do? He brings persecution. That'll get them out of there. That'll get them going. That will spread them out. That, that will cause them to live out and to do what I've called them to do. Persecution is not a bad thing, guys. Persecution, what happens when persecution comes upon the church? It flourishes. Man, where, where we sit around and we get complacent and we grow fat in our knowledge with lack of obedience, man, that's where sin creeps in and that's where arrogance comes and that's where we think that we're something and we're not. And it dishonors God. So if he commands us to do something and we don't, it's sin. And, and I just, again, I just want to help us navigate through that. Conviction is a good gift of, of God, okay? When we read the scriptures or when God points out something to us and the Holy Spirit presses upon our heart or we do something that we shouldn't be doing or we think something that we shouldn't think or we say something that we shouldn't say and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, one, that should be encouraging because usually what it does is it indicates that you belong to Jesus, which is a great thing, and then two, it's an invitation back into the fold. It's an invitation to, to get going back and to, to be a part of who Christ is and what he's called us to be about and what he's called us to do. So, so conviction is a good gift of God, one that we should appreciate. And, and, and I'm just like everybody else. I don't like to be told that I'm wrong. I don't like to be corrected. I mean, I, I, I butt that from time to time and I, I bow up a little bit from time to time. But God continues to pursue, continues to draw back, continues to show. And then what happens is repentance. God, your way is right. All authority is yours. Yes, there's a way you've created. There's a way that you've made that is right and good. And outside of that, we get what we've got today. So conviction is a good gift of God. The second thought that I had as I've, I've, I've read this and as I've looked at this this week and just prayed through it, if, if he tells us to make something, do you think that he's going to equip us with the necessary means and the ability to do the thing that he's commanded us to make? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I said, this, I said this a few weeks ago. If, if there was an option, if, 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 if you knew that you wouldn't fail, that failure wasn't an option, what would you do? I mean, think about this. God has called his church to do this. So do you think he's going to let it happen? Absolutely. I mean, we are here today as a result of it. Over 2,000 years ago because of this. And so as I was thinking about this, as I was looking about this, I was just thinking about me as a dad. Whenever I ask my boys to do something, it's going to be something that they're going to be able to do, isn't it? Like, I'm not going to say, okay, Brody, dude, I'm hungry. I need you to go whip me up a casserole, maybe some lasagna with some, like, garlic bread. Like, let's do that. I need a salad with Thousand Island. I want the crouton. You can't do that. He's nine. The house burns down. It, doesn't, it just doesn't end well. I'm not going to, I'm going to ask him to do something that he's equipped and he can. I think the same thing with us churches. God has asked us to do something that he's going to equip us to be able to do. That he has modeled and showed us through his son Jesus how to do it. And so the command is this, go therefore and do what? Make disciples. We've already defined this. We, we know what this is. And so everyone in this room who's a born-again saint of God has a purpose and a call on your life, every single one of you. And it's to do this. And if you come to church and you get bored in church, it's because you're in disobedience and sin. And I don't care if you come to this church or not come to this church. If it's another church, 
and you go to that church and you get bored in that church, it's because you're in disobedience and sin. Because we've already established if God commands us to do something and we don't do it, that's sin. And so he has commanded us to go what? Do make disciples, every one of us. Every one of us. And I know as busy as we are in our world and everything that's going on, I know whenever you hear that and you think, oh gosh, there's something else. I don't believe this is one of those things that we want to throw more on you. I believe Jesus already established that whenever he said go, and in that go, it's as you are going. So as you're doing life, as you are in those places, in your circles of influence, you need to make disciples. You need to make disciples where you work, your neighborhood, your home, your hobbies, the schools, those, that's where it's at. Let, let me flesh out for you for just a moment kind of what, what it looked like and how this, how this happened um, in, in my life this week and the intentionality of it, just even in my home this week. As it's been a crazy week and we're getting back to school and things are happening and it's just busy, you want to talk about busy, it's busy and this is our first time having three like this in the school year and, and going with it and, and so trying to navigate and figure out and, and my oldest this week at school had something happen to him at school. Well, I think he kind of inserted himself into, that's a preacher's kid for you, isn't it? Something fun happening, let's do it. And so he's out on the playground doing his thing, and one of his little buddies is out there, and as they're out there, um, some other kids come over, and as the other kids come over, they, uh, there's a name that's dropped to his buddy. Uh-uh, you don't do that with my kid around. He's, like, he, he's into action now. He's engaged. He has just made not his problem his problem, and he dives into fixer mode. I will do this. And so his buddy was called a name this week. And he comes back home and he tells us about this name that his buddy was called. And it, this name, he, he, he tells us, well, well, what was it? And it's so, it's so funny. It's so cute. He's like, well, daddy, he was called that name that you said is bad. Okay, like I've got a long list of bad names. And we have, you're going to have to be a little bit more specific, bud. And he's like, Dad, they called my, my friend gay. I'm like, they didn't. And you said that's a bad word. I said, yeah, it can be, yes, yes. I mean, it can also mean happy. Well, that's not a bad word. I said, that's one rendering of the word. And now he's like, well, what's the other? Just so he can better pray for. Um, and so, so me as a dad, I have the opportunity to set my boy down and have that conversation with him. Well, buddy, this, this is what gay means. This is how it's defined in that setting more than likely. I'm pretty sure that as you're, you're ragging your buddy on the playground, you're not going to use that word anyway. Oh, you're just so happy, you dang happy person. I mean, that's not a way to beat him up. And so I have the opportunity to set him down and look at him and have that conversation with. He's like, that, why is that a bad word? And so I have the opportunity to share with him. I said, well, buddy, this is what that means. It means that there's an attraction to someone of the same as you. I said, is that bad? He's like, yeah, that's bad. I said, well, why is that bad? I don't know why. Well, he just knew that I thought it was not good, so he's going to just jump on that train. And so more education, more opportunity to share with. And so where do I go? I go where truth is found. Where's truth found? Truth is found in God's word, is it not? I mean, like, I love the fact that my kid's in public school and we're not going to debate. I don't care where your kid goes to school. That's great as long as they're living out Jesus in that school, whether it's public, private, or semi, whatever. I said, my hope and my desire for my kid is that he lives for Jesus. And so what I know is this, is if I don't define and I don't get a hold of his little heart and I don't raise up and I don't disciple my own, then the world's going to or somebody else is going to. And so I would much rather for him get truth from dad than I would truth from the world. 
And so I have the opportunity to look him in the eye and say, all right, buddy, this is what it means. This is why I have a problem with it. Because I believe when God created, God created man and woman. And he created that way for a specific purpose. And what God has outlined in his word is for a man and a woman to be together. Not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman, not, nothing else. But for man and woman. And I said, look at me, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be thrown at you one day that's going to say that that's wrong, that that's closed-minded, that that's bigotry, that that's all of this stuff. And he's like, what are those? I said, we'll talk about those later, those big words. They're just going to think you're crazy and dumb that you believe like that and that you're old school. And I said, and what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to tell him that God said it. I said, that's, that's absolutely right. We throw it off on Dad. God said it and he's outlined it. And I said, buddy, by the way, whenever you come across somebody like that, what do you do to them? Will you love them like Jesus would? Absolutely. Man, church, if we could get that. If we could get that. And so my hope in my heart is as a dad, as the discipler in my house, that I have the opportunity, man, to share truth with, to open up God's word. But this is where we get it from. This is what God's outlined. This is what he said. And he didn't do it to be mean. He didn't do it to be hateful. He didn't do it. He did it because there's a right way to be and there's a right way to live. And there's uh, parameters in his creation and what he's created us for. So I had an opportunity to do that. That's just one way that it's fleshed itself out this week. I mean, there's so many other conversations and things that, that we can have and that we can do as we're going, as we're doing life with people. And then the thing I love about this verse is he kind of starts to wind down verse 19. Is just look at the size and scope of this command. And I hope in our vision and mission, you've kind of felt that a little bit here lately. But he says, go therefore and make disciples what of all nations. Man, the heart of God, again, is what for the nations, for all people everywhere. That, that amps me up and fires me up. Again, there's no chance to fail. Why? Because God's called us, commanded us to do it. And if he's commanded us to do it, it's going to come to be and it's going to happen. And how's he going to do it? He's going to do it to the nations. I mean, what a task, what a desire to reach the nations and making disciples. I mean, I mean, I love the heart of God there. And he goes on, he says this, baptizing them how in the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes we just wax over this and this is just like a little thing there at the end. We're like, okay, cool, and we keep going. But, but why baptism? Why would Jesus be that intentional to say, go make disciples? And when you make a disciple, this is the, one of the first things you do is you baptize them. Because what is baptism for us, church? See, baptism for us is not a completion or a finalization of salvation. That's not what we believe. Baptism for us is a recognition of who we are and what Christ has done for us and in us. And it's us proclaiming to the world that we're his. That's what baptism is. It's, it's me putting on the shirt saying that I belong to, that I'm a part of, that I'm his. That's what baptism, buried in death, raised to walk in newness of life. It's me saying that I belong to Jesus, that I believe he is who he says he is, and he's accomplished what he said he's accomplished, and that he's God in the flesh, and that I'm in desperate need of him, and that I'm his. It's me saying that I'm a disciple, and I have mission and purpose in my life. And that's what baptism is. And I want the bullseyes of Jesus on me. I want the world to know that I belong to him. I, I want them to see that. I want, them to, I, I want you to watch me. I want you to help me. I want you to pray for me. I want you to encourage me. I want, I want accountability. I want all of those things. And that's what baptism is for all of us. For those of us in this room who have been baptized, you know, I belong to Jesus and there's a higher standard for me and an expectation for me. And as a result of that, I, mean, I want my brothers and sisters in my corner fighting for and going the distance with. That's what baptism is, that's what we're going to celebrate later. 
And so he goes on in verse 20 saying this, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. What is the things that he has commanded? That'd be his word, right? That would be the things that Jesus told his disciples, that he modeled for his disciples, that he showed his disciples. And I think sometimes when we read this and we look at this, we we think teaching like this. Teaching is not like get a lecture together and let's get a congregation band, come on, let's do this. That's not the teaching that he's talking about. It's life on life. We do relationship and we are, we're going and in that relationship we proclaim Jesus, we challenge, we encourage, we hold accountable, we press against, we remind, we lift up, we do a number of things. As we are going and as we are living life, as we are doing those things, we're teaching people to observe like I do with my boy, like I do with my friends, like my friends do with me. So to teach somebody, you got to be around them, right? To teach somebody, you have to have somebody to teach, you have to be doing, you have to be intentional, you have to be going with. See, I believe one of the things that we're going to see kind of coming out is just how this pandemic and everything has just messed with us as people and especially as the church. That, that through this pandemic, the, the lack of community and the lack of relationship and what that's done to us. And, and here when I talk about doing relationship and making disciples, I'm not talking about all your awesome social media friends that aren't really your friends. I'm talking about those in your circle that you walk with and actually do life with. If you're a boss, those that are under you as employees, if you're a parent, those that are kids, if you're a teacher, that classroom that you've been given, the awesome responsibility to disciple, soccer moms, all your soccer mom buddies that you go and you sit at practice with and drink your little lattes and do all that stuff with men, the opportunity there, if you drink lattes, I don't know, maybe, I don't, maybe it's Gatorade. But as you're in your circle, man, there with those people, the opportunity, the privilege to do this and to live this out and to make That's what I'm talking about. And what we see from the very beginning is that God has created and wired us with the need for a relationship. There's no loners. There's no mavericks. There's nobody on an island. That's not how he created us. That's not how he set this thing up. No, it's relationship. And the first and foremost greatest relational need in your life is that with Jesus. And second, it's with others. You need people in your life to walk with you, to encourage you, to, to teach you, to show you. And so for us here at New Life, we believe that it happens in two ways, relationally. The first one is this, and I believe Jesus modeled it for us and showed us both of these. The first and foremost is in a small group. And then the second one is one-on-one. So let's talk for just a second about a small group. What do we see Jesus do? We see him hang out with 12, do we not? That he's got his small group that he is close to, that he's walking with, that he is living life with, that he is modeling and showing and having intentional conversation. We, we see him doing all of those things. So for us, we believe the discipleship happens life on life in a small group with other believers journeying together with a mature disciple at the helm and God's word as a God. We believe that that's one of the ways that God accomplishes this. So right now for us, we've got men's ministry, we've got a woman's ministry, we have discipleship development. We're looking to open up some more discipleship development classes. We just need people who can lead and who would be willing to facilitate and and walk through some of those. Uh, Those things that God's called us to do and be about. We're looking to to train and walk with some even outside the church here, getting in homes and doing some things like that. We've got some things in the pipeline that's, that's coming soon. And so for me, as the shepherd leader of this church this year, we're going to be very, very intentional and get very, very aggressive in the coming year, especially in this area of getting the community back, of getting fellowship going, of getting people together, doing life together, centered around God's word. We're going to do everything we can to do that. So we're going to be launching out. We're going to be putting out before you. We're going to be making known some of those areas where you can get plugged in all the more and be a part of. 
And then the second way we see Jesus do that is one-on-one, right? He had the 12 that he was close to, but then he had three that he journeyed a little deeper with. And you see him live that way and see him do that. And so I just believe that we've got to be intentional. We've got to move away from just the surface level stuff. It's going a step further in developing and making a disciple. You invest in for the purpose to recreate in someone and turn them loose to do the same thing. And that's what we see Jesus doing, right? Who, who is one of the, the greatest catalysts for the church in the beginning was Peter. Who did Jesus spend an immense amount of time with? Peter. I mean, there was intentionality there, right? There was purpose. There was, I don't think that was just by happenstance. And so we believe in this, this realm, this area, it's spending time outside of an allotted church time. It's constantly being in touch with and purposefully meeting with, maybe for lunch or for dinner or going and having a cup of coffee and talking and, and asking those, conver- uh, those questions and having those conversations that sting from time to time. It's going deeper, working through, shaking through, iron sharpening iron type stuff. It's taking that someone with you and serving and modeling what it looks like as you give your life away and as you serve. It's doing all of those things. And it's getting to a point that after you've done that, releasing them to go and to do what you've done in them. All the while making them aware and knowing that that's what we're gonna do. Like, like, will you journey with me for a year? And can I invest in you for a year? Will you do this? Where we gather around God's word, where we have deep, meaningful conversation and not just surface level stuff about who won the game or didn't win the game. But, but we go serious about this and we try to reach our world. So Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is a command for every believer everywhere. And then we're quick to forget what he promises here at the very end of this verse. Look at what he says. So he commands us. And if he commands us, he's going to equip us and he's going to help us and he's going to see it through. We're here today as a result of this. Somebody somewhere in somebody's life, somehow, some way, has done this and lived this out, and we're here today as it. And then I love this part. Whenever, whenever he gives us something hard and difficult that seems impossible to do, look at the promise that he makes here in verse 20. And, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. Hear that for a moment. Think about that for a second. I mean, just let that sink into your heart. He is always with, he's told you to do the difficult thing. But then he doesn't just send you out and let you try to figure it out and try to do it. No, no, I'm with you even to the end of age. How is he with us to the end of age right now? He lives in us with the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, the power that we have access to that we don't tap into, the way we quench the Spirit, the way that we disobey, the way that we, oh, he would never, there's no way, I'm too dumb, I'm not smart enough, I'm too slow, I'm not this, I'm not, I don't talk well enough, I, I can barely read the Bible. I can. Everyone in this room is further along than someone else. Every one of you. And I just want to lovingly challenge you and say that you are as close to Jesus Christ today as you want to be. With all the resources out there and for us to only be as far along as we are. It's because we lack desire. Or maybe we're not saved. That's all it could be. We're, we're in sin, like desire, or not his. And I just want us to feel that for a moment. Because I don't know about you, but I know as much about certain things as I want to. And this little device right here is at the 
tip of my fingers to get whatever I want and find, I mean, any, throw something at me, I can, we can Google that thing, we can find it out, we can check a couple sources to make sure it's right. And I'm not saying you should get all your theology from the internet. No, that's, that's, you gotta be careful. That, that could be very, very bad. But with the resources that we have available and with the people that we have available, with the promise that God's given us that I'm gonna be with you through that, I'm going to walk with you through that. I'm going to be there with you through that. And for us not to be. So let me try as, as, we, as we close. I'll get the band up here in a minute. As we, as we close, let me, let, me just, let, me, let me try to do it like this and just help us for a second. And, and this, is where, this is where it'll sting a bit. But, but sometimes God has to press on us and make us uncomfortable to get our attention and just allow the Holy Spirit to start to work and change in that heart process. So, so as I've said earlier, if you and I are not doing this, I don't care how many Bible verses you know, I know, I don't care how long we've attended church, if we're not living out doing what Christ has just commanded us, there's sin that's an issue. And I would also say that we are miles away from being spiritually mature. And, and you can quote as many verses as you want to, but hear me, knowledge without action is the problem. Knowledge without obedience to the scriptures is an issue. It's legalistic religion that makes God sick. That's what it is. And so my question and my challenge for you this morning would be this. Who are you intentionally and relationally walking with on a regular basis for the purpose of making a disciple who can make a disciple? And, and I'm not going to use the three boys in my home. I mean, that's an easy get-out-of-jail-free card. And that's what I've had to look at this week in my life. And, like, and, I, and, I, and, and just to be honest, I mean, I'll do good starting something for a moment with somebody, and then it'll oh, I'll get busy or something will come up, or it'll be, oh, that, that busy thing happens. And then it gets pushed back, and it gets pushed back, and it's, oh, well, let's do this, and it... He's called us to be about this. I mean, imagine for a moment if his disciples, like, okay, Jesus, that's awesome, that's great. He goes back to heaven and then he's like, oh, he's crazy. What was he talking about? Uh-uh. I'm just going to kind of go back to doing my thing. I know, I mean, I know some of the law over there, that Old Testament stuff and some of the stuff that he said, we're just kind of, eh, and they don't do it. Where would we be today? Where would the church be today? We've got to get with it. We have got to step up. We've got to get going. And so for us as a church this year, we're, we're going to put all of our energy and all of our effort doing this. I think the reason why I have to come back so often and say, oh, but our children, we need help with our children, or oh, well, this, we need help with this, or all, is because we don't fully understand this, and we've, we've done a horrible job, the church over the years, every church everywhere, we've done a horrible job of this. And so for us as a church this year, we're going to get serious about this. We are going to fight tooth and nail, because I believe that when we do this, our children's ministry gets better. I believe that when we do this, our women's ministry gets better. I believe that when we do this, our men's ministry. I believe that when we do this, our youth group. I believe when we do this, our college. I believe that when we do this, the community is, is drastically impacted. I believe that when we do this and we live this out, I mean, the sky's the limit for what God could do in us and through us. I, I just want to show you, and I don't know if you felt kind of the, the same thing that I felt in that moment when he, when he says, go make disciples of who? Uh, 
all people everywhere, nations. When he says it, of all nations, I just, I don't know if you felt that. And so I just want to kind of just, whoo, Lord help me. I just want to kind of show you for a moment kind of the scope of what that looks like. Because I don't know about for you, but for me that feels like a daunting task. A daunt, I mean, there's going to be about 150 to 170 here today, and he expects us to go and make disciples of all nations. But I want to look at math for a second, and I'm not a good math dude. I'm from West Virginia, and so I'm just like, after about 10, 20, I'm done at 20. And so we'll start there for a moment. Look, look at this with me. If, if we could get 20 people, 20 people who would willing, be willing to say, yes, I will be discipled into a disciple maker. 20 people. And if that 20 would go and make one disciple a year, and their disciples would make a disciple every year following, look at what we could do. Look at these numbers. One year, New Life Baptist Fellowship puts out 20 disciples. 20 disciple makers. After two years, what happens after 2040? We're moving now. Three years into this, we'll have 80 disciple makers. People intentionally walking with to release and to turn loose and to, I don't think we've ever in the uh, eight years that I've been here had this kind of a growth in our church. 80 people, three years, four years, 160 disciples, five years, 320 disciples. In 10 years, listen to this, in 10 years there would be 10,240 disciple makers. You see how this math works? You see how God does things? That, that's why we want to be so intentional one person at a time. That's why we want to be so invested one person at a time. After 15 years, there's 327, 680,000 disciple makers. And we want to be a church that plants churches, man. Can you imagine how many churches we, God would have blessed us with the opportunity to be able to plant? 17 years, 1.3. After 22 years, 41 million after 27 years look at those look, look look at those numbers after 27 years that's more than the population of africa 30 years there would be over 10 billion disciple makers 30 years and we've reached the world 30 years and we've accomplished and we've done what God has called his church to be about and to do. And you might think that that's wishful thinking, that that's craziness, and, and it probably a little bit of it is maybe. But with the help of God always being with us, it's not, is it? I think sometimes we think too small. We dream too small. So as the bank comes back up, man, happy 15 years. Look at where we would be if we would have faithfully lived out 327,680. 15 years old, that's where we would be. And I get some come and some go. But man, imagine if we'd have serious about one thing. If we'd have got intentional about one thing, where we could be today. And so I, what I've learned is this, is that whenever God hits me hard with something or he beats me up for a minute or he shows me something that maybe I wasn't quite aware of or maybe I didn't want to be aware of. In that moment, sometimes it's just good to just kind of let it settle and just meditate on the reality of what he said. Church, he's called us to go and make. He's called us to do it. And if we don't do it, it's sin. 
And when we sin, we repent. When God brings that to our attention and we're made aware of our sin and our rebellion, we repent and then we pick, we, we pick up and keep going because he's the one that lifts us up. And it's only through God that this can happen. And so I guess my question for you is this, is that will you say, yeah, I want to be one. I want to be one of the, maybe it's more than 20, maybe I don't know. But I know we've got some stuff coming. I know we've got some things that's going to be taking place, some things coming down the line. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but we knocked a hole in the wall this week. Thanks, Leroy. I don't think he's in here. Yeah, Leroy, Pete. Well, because we want to be intentional with those people that come in here. We want to, we want to have a place where we can take them and show them some of the things that, that we've got going on and get to know them and have conversation and be all the more relational with them. We don't want somebody just coming in this church and sitting in a seat and us not getting to We want to know you. We don't want to get all up in your junk yet. That'll come. Personal space. I mean, we want to know who's here. We want to know your story. We, we want to love one and walk with, and we want to do a better job of that. So one of the things that we're doing is we're putting together a welcome team, a first touch team that can do that. And they just get to know who's here. We want to know your story. We want to be able to pray for you. And I don't know if you saw out there on the wall, we've got these metal looking bars out there and what we're going to do is we're going to make that a prayer wall so when we are made known of things that we can pray for and share with the church we're going to put out there so the church can grab and take with and pray for and so we've got some stuff that God's doing and stirring in us that's coming I mean all the way from children to whoever the oldest person in this place is everything in between we're asking God to help us look at focus on and do. And so when I talk about vision and I talk about mission, everything that we do in this church, we want to run through that filter. Is it going to be about sharing the gospel with, with the world? Is it going to be about making disciples of all people? That's where we want to put our energy and our effort and our attention. We want everything to resemble that. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what got stirred in your heart and your life, but I mean, I just, I just want to encourage you this morning, whatever he's revealed to you, that's fine and good. Just don't be satisfied there. And let him prick your heart and challenge you and convict you and draw you to him all the more. And you be obedient. If you need to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, come see me or what it means more to walk this out. Whatever, whatever we can do to help and equip and walk with you. But just know, man, stuff's coming. We are begging God to do a work here in this place, in this community, in this world. And we're asking him to use us somehow, some way to do it. And I would love to have everybody be a part of that. Father, we need you. We thank you. We praise you. God, what, what a challenge this morning, God. Just even in my life as I look at this, I think of the areas where I have failed. Just this week as I was praying through this and looking at this, where I've got to do better. Father, I just pray this morning that you would do work in this place. God, save the lost. God, convict those in sin, sin like this. God, we, we like to look at the big sin and we forget about the little sin, or not little sin, there's no little sin. All sin's horrific. But we like to categorize big and not so big. And, and God, this is a major issue. Whenever you've called us to do something, command us to do something, we don't do it. Father, help us to be a church that's broken in our sin. Repent and get going with what you've called us to do and be. Father, we love you, we need you, and we pray. Amen. You stand, the band's going to lead us. You be obedient as God leads you this morning.